Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience. Well, great. Hey guys, how are you? Awesome, awesome, cool. So, this is actually always one of my favorite things I do every year. Hope, uh, hope the internship is going well. Uh, I know it's coming to an end probably for some of you as we're getting late into the season. Um, but uh, I'd really love to just do a, a massive Q&A session with you guys uh, about anything and everything that's kind of going on in my world. I know some of you reached out and I've spent a little time. Um, but for the rest of you, it's a good opportunity to jam a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, let me talk about a couple things real quick and then I, I think we'll just open it up right away. You know, obviously, um, this has been a, a, a more fun year for interns for me for a couple reasons. One, because that piece of content I put out about engaging with other people and I feel like so many of you have taken that energy and I, I hope that's been ROI positive just to ground anybody who hasn't seen it. Like, the only thing I think an internship is about is actually meeting the people in the company that you work at. and. I just think that's actually just genuinely true because information is just being commoditized so much. Like whether, you know, definitely all of you have had completely different internships based on the serendipity of who you've been matched up with and some people have gotten their hands really, really dirty and others probably not as much given even like, it's not even almost about the people that you're under, it's about where the account or the work is at that moment, right? If you were put into a situation where the account's on fire and there's issues, they're gonna be a little more scared to let you like do your thing because they're scared shitless to just make sure it doesn't get fucked up. And then other places where it's really, really good, I'm sure plenty of autonomy considering the circumstance, but then you actually have the variable of the people too and if they're micromanagers or not. So that to me is why the practicality of like I'm gonna learn a craft this summer is ludicrous because there's too many things that are not in control of that being the situation. Hence why I think it's about the people and plus in reality anything you would learn in six or eight or 10 weeks, you're gonna learn in the first 90 days of a job whenever the fuck you get it. So like that's why if you're still here and you still haven't like gotten serious about my point of view on this, you better find yourself in the cafeteria as much as possible or wherever else you can get there and whatever other, you know, the other offices have the luxury of being smaller. Like for everybody who's on the screen right now, there's literally no excuse. Um, maybe LA is a little bit bigger, but you know, and London's gonna be, but nonetheless, there's, <laughs> I, I don't think there's any excuse for New York, let alone definitely not, you know, Nuga. Uh, and so definitely should make sure you, you meet as many people as possible. Um, and, and that to me stands out. I think the other thing is, I think it's super important to bet on your strengths. I hope that this internship or what you're up to doing when you leave here, back in the fall, I highly, highly recommend betting on your strengths. I, it's something that I've talked about for a long time and it's something that I'm believing in even more than ever now. I just, the world is becoming so fast paced and so niched out and so much going on that it's just very obvious to me that the people that are winning are the ones who are comfortable staying narrow and deep and reverse engineering either one of two things. The thing that you disproportionately love the most but you self-recognize that you're just okay at it and then you've gotta pay the price for that. AKA, you love writing and you just wanna be a copywriter, but deep down in your heart, especially if you deploy real self-awareness, you know that you're just slightly above average. Which you have to understand plays itself out in life. Like eventually the market's gonna judge you. And what that means is, you may never become a chief creative officer or even a CD because you're just average at it. However, you just love it so much that it's the only thing that you wanna do 
and it's how you breathe. It's why I was such a bad student. I loved what I loved so much, I was willing to pay the sacrifice and the consequences of being judged a loser and like fighting society for like my entire childhood um, because I just couldn't breathe without thinking about selling baseball cards or selling wine or whatever I was up to at that time. Uh, you've gotta make a pretty interesting decision, in my opinion, for extreme success in life. Either A, you love something so much and you're okay with being averagely successful in it, but the ROI is your general happiness in what you do, and then you'll figure out how to pay your bills or you know, maybe your spouse will pay the bills or whatever the fuck life plays out, or you realize that you're really special at something and Maybe it's the second or third thing you like the most, but you know that that's where your success will come in and you'll go all in on that, or you're outrageously blessed, and honestly, I think that's what I am, which is the thing that you naturally love the most is actually coinciding with the thing that you're best at, and then you get to live one of those lives. But tricking yourself that you're the third is the quickest way to lose. And that is basically the punchline of a professional life in my opinion, at its most basic sense. And I think that's something that you should really try to figure out, big time, because it's basically how people end up being happy or not. So, that's my motivational spiel on that. But it really makes a lot of sense to me, and it's something I've been thinking a lot, a lot about, and doing back, you know, it's easy to be Monday morning quarterback, I'm like, oh, that's how I got here. Oh, that's how they got here. Oh, that's how they got there. Right? So at this point where you're questioning everything and you're still, so many of you are still in that place where you're just checking the box of what the right thing to do is because that's how you've been trained for the last 20 years of your life. Um, this is exactly the time to start debating it for real because you wake up and you're 32 real quick. <laughs> right? We were just sitting in, this is Eric Kastner. He helped me build Wine Library. He, and, uh, we were just sitting in a small cubicle five seconds ago building this website. So it happens real quick. Right? So cool. Who's got questions? And you can go anywhere, like detailed, philosophical in the air like I just went, <laughs> random shit. I think everyone's got questions. These are a good job of preparing. Cool. So let's just go, let's go, we'll go, you know what? Fuck this. We always do it this way. We're going here first. Let's go. Nuga, you go first. All right. So all questions here. What is your favorite thing about right now and what are you doing to fix it in the next six months to a year? One more time, brother. What is your least favorite thing about Vayner right now and what are you doing to fix it in the next six months to a year? Uh, there's a ton. There's so many things that just popped in my mind that are fucked up. Um, so that was funny. My least favorite thing is that my open door policy became exactly the same thing that our unlimited vacation policy became, which is I had incredibly good intent with it but because of the openness of it, it got fucked up. So our unlimited vacation policy, there were so many people, the best people in the company took no time and the losers took unlimited time. And so like, so then we created forced two week vacation time and unlimited behind it. My open door policy of everybody coming to me and I can solve things is unrealistic because I'm the CEO. On top of it, I'm a CEO who has personality in the world now. I become disproportionately um, uh, intimidating to come and randomly talk about the fact that Karen is a jerk or Rick is holding me back. And so now what I'm gonna do to fix it is in 2018, I'm running the math now, I'm gonna force myself to meet with every single employee every six months. 
business. Which right? is, yeah, it's gonna take a lot of time, as you can imagine, but the only vulnerability this company has from complete and utter domination is people's cynicism to what I give a shit about. And unfortunately, it's real, right? Like, unfortunately, a shockingly small percentage of this company believes me. Um, I think most are somewhere in neutral trying to figure it out. And I feel like a good amount don't believe me at all and think it's all a front and I care about the money, which is stupid. Because if you had a half a brain, you'd realize how unprofitable this venture is right now for me with all the options I have. But it is what it is, so I want to fix it, and I will. Cool. All right, London? London? Hey, can you hear me? I can. Cool. Uh, I've got two, probably real quick. Uh, one, you've given a lot of thought into your funeral that you want everyone to attend. I do. Have you ever given any thought into how you want to die? <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have. Uh, I've, so I've, I have. I've thought a lot about this, actually. Um, I've, and, I've, and it's cliche, you know, it's funny. It's the first time I've ever said it out loud and taken it out of my brain into my mouth and now I'm laughing at myself because it really is so typical. I think we're all typical of ours. Like, we are what we are, right? These are two very polar opposite reactions. They're both true. The reason when I was sleeping, had no fucking idea, see ya. <laughs> but, but weirdly, I'm equally into like, I got caught in some terrorist attack and like everybody's freaking out and they're like, oh fuck, Gary V died in it. Like, it's gotta either, it's gotta be one of those two. Like really, really, really quiet, like no pain, simple, like honestly the way I think probably is the best way to go, right? Or like, fuck, like how unfortunate that he died from that because he had more to do, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah. That's it. That's the answer. Yeah. Oh, I have another question real quick. Um, in my, I have a bit of a side hustle. One of them is I design a lot of t-shirts, kind of like this one. Yep. Um, in my downtime and in my evenings and weekends, I have been doing some more Vayner inspired designs, just fun kind of things. What's the quickest way to just get that in front of you? Just email. Just get your eyes in Email, I'll look at it. Yep. I'll look cool. at it the next time I fly, which is I Monday. Do. Cool. Right. Awesome. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right, LA? I got questions. Go ahead. Can you hear us? Yeah. What's up, Gary? Hey, man. Uh, Pretty end of your K Swiss project, as I'm sure you probably know. I'm aware. Uh, That was a nice long email you sent. From you. Yeah. We can't hear you right now. Oh, you can't? Why? That little part went in and out. How about now? You're good. Okay. I, I was saying I'm super aware because you sent a really long fucking email. No, I love it. Um, I was just wondering from you, like, who you think it will actually most resonate with, and who do you hope it will resonate with, and if those two kind of align, or if it's completely different, or just just your take on that. Um, so to ground everybody in the conversation, I'm coming out with a K Swiss sneaker in November, like legitimately a Gary V sneaker. Um, and to be very honest with you. Uh, this is just the truth, and I like to stay in the truth lane. I haven't really thought about it. The only reason I'm doing it is because it's a win-win situation. Either it does really well with 
all the people that now live on Instagram, which is every single 16 to 25 year old dude, right? For the most part in my audience and a small percentage of female who it's gonna resonate with because it's gonna be like, bless you. Oh, this is Gary Vee's sneaker. That's funny, that's cool, that's interesting. Oh, K-Swiss is retro, da da da. It, it goes on fashion trends, which is we're seeing so many brands reemerge quickly. Um, but I, I haven't really thought about like who I want it to resonate with or, or who I think it's gonna resonate with because it's not why I did it. I did it purely selfishly around two core things. One, if it works. If the sneaker really sells well, I forever have the history of being the entrepreneur that got put on the way that, you know, Jordan with Athlete and Yeezy with like music, like that's huge legacy. If it fails miserably, it's an incredibly fun, self-deprecating inside joke for me and my friends of like, <laughs> remember when I had the audacity to think I could have a sneaker? So it's just a win-win situation. And ultimately, like honestly, ultimately that's what I wish for you. Like I'm fundamentally unbeatable in life because no matter what, this is true. I know, I know. That's why I'm laughing though. Like, and I also believe that you're unbeatable in life. Well, I'm unbeatable in life because I just genuinely think both outcomes are good. I just genuinely think like the success of something is good and the failure is good. Because if I fail, I deserved it. Like if this venture I came up with or this job I took or the decision I made or the investment I made failed, well then I deserved it. Is it equal for you? It's 100% equal. Because it's actually taking yourself and your feelings out of the equation and letting meritocracy in the market judge. Right, like I just think I deserve it. And I think, and I also know that I'm good enough I think it's also about just confidence in general. Like, like I'm just good enough to survive anything. I'm not doing anything that's betting my whole family's life on it, right? And I just genuinely don't care what other people, like the biggest problem you have right now is you have two, especially at this age, you just care about what other people think. As you should at some level, but not for your life decisions that, you know, you have to understand this is why people regret. And regret's scary. It's not scary at 20, it's super scary at 70. And that comes fast too, you know? So like, yeah, so that's the case with story. It was one of those scenarios where it was a complete win-win. Like, it's just all upside in extreme ways. Like, cool. Anybody else in London? I know we, I know we hung out, so we had, we, had, we had our own little sesh, so I'll probably go to New York in a second, but sneak one in real quick. Okay, so, you know, we saw your trip to Hong Kong you know, after that trip, what is your, you know, what is it about Asia that you want to target? Asia feels to me like social media felt or the internet felt, it's just new territory, right? And it's so right and the entrepreneurial spirit there is so real and it's raw and it's got a little bit more of a, you know, it's a little dirtier. Like, you know, it's a little more raw form of entrepreneurship. Like the rules are a little bit more street than America which is a little bit more mature, like people, are willing to fuck you in like a way that you don't aren't accustomed to in the US, which I love. I'm comfortable in that environment and so it just fits me well. I think that that culture even has a bigger problem of trying to appease their parents. So I have some real energy to try to help. As much as I'm trying to help you guys, I'm really in here like trying to help. Like I'm hopeful that somebody here really listens to me for the next hour and actually does something that they won't even realize how, like I realize for, for straight truth how much I can change your life right now. I mean it, like, and, 
And it's not because I'm special or anything, it's because I'm gonna be forceful of what I'm telling you right now and that may make you like make a decision that you wouldn't have otherwise and it's big stakes. I don't think people realize it. Like there's three to four core decisions you're about to make that will basically be the reason your life is your life. Now, you can pick the perfect spouse, the perfect job, and those decisions led to you actually getting hit by a car and dying. So like it's not like there's nothing guaranteed, but there's just a lot of ways to put things in your favor. Um, so yeah, that's what I felt there. It was instantaneous too. It's fun. D Rock's not here. It was really weird. Oh, sorry, D Rock. So D Rock, tell them. What? The baggage claim. Oh yeah, we walked into Hong Kong. He he let them in right away. I didn't even, I didn't have my camera out, and he was like. I love this place. <laughs> <laughs> like for real, like literally wasn't out of baggage claim and I could literally taste it. I knew how it was gonna play out. I could feel it running through my body. It was super weird, but like super common for me. So, and not something, you know, it's been funny. I've always wondered if I've been, I've tried to fabricate it before, like the feeling, because my brain was telling me it was good and I've never been able to do it. I've never, like, I know I'm tricking myself, right? trying to make pretend this is gonna be big because I want it to be, but I don't feel it. But there I felt it, this, like literally in baggage claim. You know? Which meant I hadn't even seen it yet. I was just breathing the air. So, cool, all right, go ahead. Um, what valuable business is nobody building? Uh, so many. There's, so, there's unlimited amounts of businesses that are valuable. Uh, I think the businesses that aren't being built right now are sitting in people's heads as problems for themselves, but they haven't manifested it out of their head into action because the best businesses are the ones that are pain points to individuals, scratching your own itch of your problem. And I think you guys are, the reason young people create so many great businesses is because you have new pain points because of how the land you know, has changed. So I don't know what they are because I'm not 20 with it under this new reality, but you are. And so I think the best businesses are people that go through transitions, can taste some sort of issue, and then have the audacity and the courage to fix it. So that's the right answer, you know? More so than something like, hey, you should sell bananas, you know? (laughs) Of course. Uh, So when I watch your content, um, and you speak more in general terms, tactical advice, when you speak in these like, Overarching yes. of like perspective. Which is the majority of what I put yeah, out. Because yeah. it's hard to put out tactical. First of all, I'm unbelievably non-tactical. And in general, tactical is so available. Yeah. Like every single, like I hate when people are like, Gary V, enough with this motivational shit. Tell me what to do. I'm like, fuck face, go to YouTube and search it. <laughs> like every single fucking question you have in details on YouTube for free, in detail, in visual form. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so like when you speak in those general terms, yes. everything makes sense and it fits into a narrative. It seems like you have like a bulletproof, perfect perspective and approach to life. But like, can you talk about how you get into like actual messy situations in life and you have like moral contradictions or like trying to take that like this this perspective that you built up and apply it to the like highly specific situations you encounter that like it doesn't really make sense in that context. Yeah, I think I mean I think it happens every day. Right, I think that's happening every second. Especially when you add the word moral. Like basically, when you're in a position of power, you have leverage to deploy non-moral behavior and get away with it. So, I mean, I think it's how I, I mean, to me it's how I navigate my life. 
Like it's the thing I'm most proud of. I'm most proud that this company runs on unbelievably ugly margin because I try to make moral decisions on how we handle things and that still doesn't work from an individual perspective standpoint because when you fire somebody, no matter what you've done, you're a dick face, right? Um, but so I think, I think that how it manifests, here's how it manifests. Every single thing that happens in my life, I try to be the bigger man in because I feel like I'm capable of absorbing the loss. So one thing I finally have started talking about, it's funny to have Eric in the room. One thing I finally have started talking about in the last two weeks is that I own 0% of Wine Library, right? <laughs> it's, it's something that I've never talked about. Like, I don't, most people don't realize that I own nothing of Wine Library. But the reason I'm starting to talk about it is as I'm getting more popular, the thing that's emerging is there's one excuse left on the table which is daddy put me on, right? And so like everybody's excuse of me not, you know, them not being like me or working as hard or willing to do what I did is, no Gary, you first of all, it's amazing how these things manifest. First it's you were given $3 million which is not true. Next it was the business was $3 million but every business is different. It was doing 10% gross profit. Eric was there. It was a tiny, Three, three, 10% gross profit. So that means $300,000 in profit before expenses. Eric, how much were you paid first year as a developer? 40, 30? Like, couldn't pay anybody. If If the economy hadn't collapsed, Eric would have never worked there as a developer. He'd already gone to San Francisco to start his career, but the world melted, you know, the dot com world. So, so, that's a big thing for you guys to learn from. When the economy's good, everything, you know, everything feels like you're going to Silicon Valley and you're working. When the world melts, you end up being in a fucking basement of a New Jersey liquor store. <laughs> Be careful out there. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, it's really, really just super interesting, right? Like, I treated that situation with a moral compass. My dad and mom are my heroes for bringing me to, uh, you know, to the US and so I built my dad's business for him. I left and started VaynerMedia with no equity value in my life. I built an enormous business and I left with no equity value whatsoever. I was worth nothing. Be- and I was getting paid $70,000 a year, $90,000. I was not making, like there's, like, <laughs> I was making nothing. I was 34 years old. I built a huge business for my dad I left with nothing, started this, gave AJ 50% of it when I had all the leverage and get made fun of publicly all the time for being put on. What I'm saying very simply is I deploy it every day in the way I hire, in the way I treat people, in what I invest in. Like, that is why it's so simple. It's basic, it's binary. Either you're a good person or you're not. Now. We all have shortcomings. Like, <laughs> humans have plenty of shortcomings. I believe that if you have unbelievable intent to not act on them and you do the best you can, that's really just the best you can end it up being. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I've made unbelievable amounts of mistakes. I hate confrontation. I, I do think that I've historically blindsided people like support, 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 fired or not part of your team because I didn't like the confrontation. Like, and I, so I've evolved and tried to be better but like, I guess my real question would be like, does the voice in your head that informs your self-awareness just go like, dude, like, I don't know. No, this is a good question, what? Like, does the voice in your head that like informs your self-awareness, do you ever just look at a situation and go like, I have no idea, like. No. Never. Never. Is everything like baggage claim? Where you like feel it somehow? Like you feel what you should be doing? I think wrong and right's real simple. 
to be very frank, I think we tune out that voice. So I've never really been drunk in my life, like six times. I think that all of you guys use alcohol as an excuse to do shit that you wanna do, but you know you shouldn't. Or to justify shit you're doing amongst other people that you think you know you want to look in front of and like you want to justify why you hooked up or why you were ridiculous and that's the gateway drug to approval of getting away with it. It's your pass card. The reason I'm so out there as a person is I'm not scared. Twice. I'm not scared about your judgment of me and I'm doing it really well. So it works. Got it? Um. So, you, you're talking about like the profitability of the company. Um, do you see that as a fault to an extent? No, I see it as a strength. Why is Be- that? Because I'm able to invest into the culture and people for the long-term output. The reason I've grown two businesses unbelievably fast by the standards of that industry is because of that. I think people want to take money home and I don't. I mean, I do-ish but not to give up the long term, right? I need something to survive. You know, your, your world changes. Like Eric's shaking his head because he knew when I was 28 years old and built a huge fucking business, I lived in a shit fucking apartment in Springfield, New Jersey. And you worked in the shittiest office possible with all of us. Yeah, I mean, look, like the, the, the thing, that, thing that I know that people don't know is like I wouldn't buy my truth. So why, <laughs> so why would I expect you guys to? But it's real. It's super fucking real. I worked every fucking minute. You know? Uh, So, no, I think it's a strength. I think, uh, and I don't put myself in a position to owe anybody anything. Like, there's no, I'm not public. I don't have partners that have leverage, right? So, when you get to invest, you have something. I actually think the biggest weakness all of you will have is when you get into any level of money, you'll buy dumb shit instead of saving it, investing it, and then not realizing that at 34 you could have so much more than, and you won't even remember the dumb shit you had at 26. That if you literally took that money and put it into Facebook and Amazon and just sat pat, that you would just have a lot more money. Like when Eric, when Google went public, Eric made his uncle, I think, or aunt or somebody buy it, but like, and he was making, he was making no money and had no money, but like even so, Whatever he bought, he should have still put into Google because he was right. You know? And you gotta invest early. If you invest early and you invest stuff that you never have to touch, like people, the reason people lose in investing is it's their actual money. So instead of putting in a bank for their rent or college loans, they put into the market and then the market dips and they panic and they take it out and they lost money. But the reason Warren Buffett's the richest is you basically need America to collapse which then you've got bigger problems than to not invest in the market in America and just never think about that money. It's actually stunningly basic. So like literally if you have money right now, you should invest it into Amazon or Facebook and ne- like all of it and never think again. Now you should probably diversify it. That's the right, right way to think. <laughs> but I just know those two companies aren't going anywhere. So I have a, like a people and culture question. I guess it's a two-part question, but obviously you've hired and fired so many people yes. over your career, yes. um, including high-level management yes. positions. Yes. So over time, like, what are some traits that you see consistently from these higher-level positions in managerial roles 
that make them successful, and then vice versa. It's just, um, I'll give you the answer right now. Selfish, selfless, the end. Selfish and selfless? Selfish is losing, selfless is winning, the end. Okay. The reason people get fired here at a very high level is because they're protecting their jobs and everything out of their mouth and what they do is based on that. They've hit their apex, they know it. They know they're not good enough either for it or above it. They know it. And instead of being appreciative that they're a part of a fast growing company and are probably a level or so above what they should be, they go on the defense and try to kill everybody around them to not take that job. That's usually higher levels because when you're at this level you have no, you're not protecting shit, you're trying to grow, right? So you're young, you're trying to grow, but then when you hit your spot, you go on defense because you're happy to make a buck 30 a year, work for somebody you believe in, work in a good place, you like your office, you got rent, you got mortgages, you're about to start a family, like you just want that 130, you're good. You're like, this is what I want. And so you go on defense. You're not thinking about going to 216. That's the norm. That's somebody who works in a company. And that's fine, but there's a better version of that which is recognizing that truth and trying to defend against that so you don't become vulnerability. The problem is that works in most places. The reason companies suck is because the defense works. When we're at our worst, we're being too slow to kick out the people that are doing that here. I can list seven people in my brain right now who are doing it for a million different reasons, whether it's the person above them, below them, There's somebody who's not fired right now because the person underneath them that they're blocking is so good but needs to grow a little bit thicker skin and I'm letting it play out so that she gets a little more thicker skin so she's more successful in the future. I could lose that game, I have. It plays out with her quitting but I'm willing to play that chicken. But that's the shit that nobody thinks about. Like that's not the kind of thing you're thinking about in your head like like that's not how people, that's not how my team thinks about it, nobody. That's how I think about it because that's my job at the ultimate last spot. But that's the binary answer to who's winning and losing. Alright, so, well first of all, I just want to say like, I know how grateful you are and like, I'm a really grateful person. And so that's something that really motivates me just seeing how successful you are. Knowing that being grateful for one of like, your main values. It's a great energy, man. So, like, yeah, I really appreciate that. It's just like period. Like, just want to get out of the way. But then also, um, what is like your everyday mindset? So I talk a lot about macro, patience, micro, speed, and I think that's my everyday mindset. My everyday mindset is like, fucking, <laughs> I mean, you know how I play basketball. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, that's my mindset, man. I'm trying to win, I'm trying to go fast, I wanna make every second count, I wanna impact, I wanna get shit done, I wanna keep the ball moving down the field, I wanna take care of all the fires, like every day is fires, every day is fires. Like it's real, the biggest problem about being the ultimate boss in anything, if you guys decide to do that one day, is it sucks. I don't know what else to tell you, it's just all negative. Which is why having optimism or gratitude is really kind of one of the only ways to pull it off. Healthy, a healthy way to pull it off, right? I think other people pull it off but they burn out, they jump out of a window, they have like bad lives. The healthy way is just utter blind optimism because the truth is there has not been one day that I haven't dealt with like some pretty fucked up shit. Shit that sucks. Losing a client, inner issues, market conditions, like there's just so many forces against you. Your internal, your external, your external or your clients and the market 
I figured out four years ago that I had this all one, that no agency was gonna beat us, and then all of a sudden, the Vices and the Refinery29s and the Buzzfeeds came up, and I'm like, fuck, they're building agencies within them, and they've got $800 million in funding, that's gonna fucking blow, right? So there's always something, you know? If I was still in the wine business, like one day Amazon buys Whole Foods and now has 44 licenses, like that's not gonna be good for the liquor industry. So, um, that's my mindset. Every, like squeeze the shit out of every minute of every day. But at a macro, be patient, right? So Wine Library was just like every day, right? But I wasn't getting paid a lot. I was thinking long term. I was thinking it as a foundation. I left it with nothing. You know? So, that's how I think about it. But gratitude's a good one, man. If you truly, if you're like a pure, if you're truly pure about it, like if, if you're not trying to manifest it the way I try to do things, if it's really, really, really in you, you've actually, I think, fundamentally have won life. I, like if I, like you know how we're gonna start being chemically like, you know, like viruses being injected into us. When that happens, you'll all see it. Make sure you line up first for gratitude. They'll fix almost everything else. It really will. Just think about it. I basically don't complain about shit. I just don't see it. I, cause, I'm, Cause I can paint you a picture of, especially looking around this room. I've been imagining this ranking board of seven billion people plus, eight billion people. I just wish you could see where you rank. I wish. You know how humbling that would be? Imagine we actually had that like, Literally like the eighth millionth ranked person, the worst is like somebody who's probably in a cage right now somewhere, right? Like some fucked up, like, like I would love for you to see your actual ranking. You would be flabbergasted, you know? And all of a sudden like, and obviously there's a lot of minorities and women in this room and it's all true. It's just not true in the macro. Not in America. Meaning there's just still too much opportunity. The internet in itself, eliminated like old white dudes control, you know? It's huge, it's fucking huge. Got it. So um, earlier you mentioned You guys hearing this well? Just wanna check in, great. So yeah, earlier you mentioned that um, in Hong Kong they'll fuck you like they won in America. Yeah. Like in what way? So because laws are just like, well Hong Kong's different, it's more London, US, but if you go into mainland China, there's so much communist undertone still. Like there's, you're just able to, like laws here and the judicial system and the business practices are just mature, right? Like, like there's a lot of people that I know who've done business there who've like had purchase orders, they're confirmed, you're gonna get your product and then you don't have your product and then you call them and you're like, where's the product? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And there's just, there's a ruthlessness, there's a hunger that uh, you know, you have to understand. America's now well in its to its empire. We're deep into our empire years, right? We're ne- you guys are now often, not always, often the third generation of good, solid stability. You're just not as hungry as your grandparents were. You're super fucking fancy compared to your grandparents. The end, and that's it. So you're soft. The end. So they're not as soft there because the majority of them are first generation and trying to get, you know, they're just coming out of communism. So they're gonna take your money, you know? That's really it, it's just kind of that vibe, you know? There's a, there's a level, even, there's a level of ethics in US business 
where even above and beyond the contract, people care about their reputation and their word to some level. There's plenty of full of shit people. There's just a lot more in a lot of Asian countries that are just don't give a shit. If the de- like if they made a deal and then an hour later something comes along that's better, they're selling your pots and pans to that person. And that's just common. And that will evolve. And then two generations, when China's number one, those kids will be soft. And then Africa's gonna kill them. <laughs> just the game. The key for you guys is like how hungry and like this is all about like the game, right? Like this doesn't mean like that's bad. As a matter of fact, one would argue that you may end up having that great era where you guys might get the era that was fully matured, you know, first world problems, good solid run, but eventually this whole, like America loses. It's just the way it is. And I don't think people think that way. And to me, I think the way America loses is because of the technology revolution because everything gets evened out, right? Yes. And I was wondering because I feel like you're very relevant across different communities and different worlds and cultures. Yes. You're relevant in San Francisco, you're going to Hong Kong. You're yes. Like, you're at the breakfast, the breakfast Club. Yep. You had like, you're in the, the studio, one of the ASAPs apparently. Yeah, I mean look, the one of the great, I never realized it, but going to Mount Ida College in hindsight is gonna end up being a really remarkable advantage Again, from it's amazing how like if you just stay true to yourself. Like I went to the shittiest college ever. <laughs> like if there's a ranking of colleges, I really think now Ida might be last. <laughs> but the fact that it was 94% African American Latino, in in a world where I just lived in it for four years of my life for real, in a world where then hip hop and minority culture would become the gateway to culture, that's just really lucky timing. And I already had it with Edison, Jersey, and like had great diversity there of Indian, Asian, like that was great. Then high school was all white kids when I moved to Hunterdon. But um, yeah, man, that really fucking worked out. So, because you know, and all, a lot of you know, whatever culture you are, whether it's sorority girl culture, whether it's athlete dude, whether it's black, Asian, girl, you always know when somebody's at a place in your culture. And so one of the amazing things is the reason it's worked for me is because I'm actually it. Like I was actually there right before Web 2.0 became social media and thus those people accept me. I was actually spending an ungodly amount of my time like playing CeeLo and spades and hearts surrounded by straight blunts to the face and 40s. Like, and so that culture, that culture, you know, that was when I really realized how true that statement was to me, was because I was out of it, right? It wasn't where I spent my time the last 10 or 15 years, but as soon as like, as soon as like I started putting out content aggressively in Instagram, that culture came to me and I came to that culture and it was just like not missing a beat, you know? So go ahead. Oh yeah, so I mean basically I was just wondering like, so you kind of touched upon how that's the culture that you grew up with. Yes. But I feel like there are still other cultures that are untouched that you're trying to get into. So what about you makes you, A, want to go into these different worlds when you could easily be so relevant in your own? Yeah. And then B, how do you tread that carefully? That's really good. So I think A, is it just about hunting DNA? I'm just more excited to be the hunter than being the hunted. So that's why I like starting shit from zero. 
right? I don't like when I, like I'm, I'm really about to not like Vayner in three or four years. Just rem- remember I told you, because we're gonna be the establishment. We're gonna be the A-list agency in four years and, every, and then I'm gonna be like, eh, I won that game, right? And then I'm gonna try to like sell hot dogs or something, right? So, <laughs> so that's that. And then B, I think, I think I, I ironically stay in my lane. What's amazing is entrepreneurship gives you unbelievable amounts of latitude. So it's not that I'm intrigued by Asian cuisine or you know, the history of its art. I'm in it for the entrepreneurship. I think it's raw and real as shit there. So I, I gravitate towards it, right? And so what's happening now culturally with entrepreneurship is ridiculous. Like, I mean, the cliche thing is right, like rappers wanted to be athletes, athletes wanted to be rappers, but now both of them want to be entrepreneurs. The level amount of like, <laughs> the amount of people that are reaching out to me that like blow my mind it's really interesting to see as a pedestal and then like the thought that it was ever the kind of thing that guys would leverage to get girls, like literally being an entrepreneur is cool. I'm like, fuck, I missed it by 20 years. <laughs> like that would have been odd. I mean, if that was the case, I would have been in great shape. Uh, you know, so it's just interesting. But I try to stay in my lane in that way too. It's just that entrepreneurship is giving me a lot of room right now. Otherwise, I stayed very narrow if you look at it historically. Now, just the world is my oyster because artists, like I mean painters want to be entrepreneurs, right? Like everybody wants to have that element, you know? I'm gonna bounce around a little bit. Sorry. Okay, um, Sorry. Oh, all right. Curveball, So, right? yeah, that was real quick, curveball. Yes. Um, how many data points do you need before opening a new office and what are they? None. <laughs> I basic, actually, back to your question, one of the biggest reasons I don't talk about things that deep in detail or how smart I think I am, I never talk about that, it's because my mind's so intuitive. Like, I don't know, like, I literally bought the, uh, so uh, Everyday Health is a media company. They went public. They needed to get rid of their agency inside of it to go public because Wall Street doesn't value those dollars very well because it's, EBITDA dollars versus multiple of media. So I got a random phone call and they're like, these eight people are in LA, do you want to hire one of them? One of them for this great, I had great story when I represented Logan Paul and Jerome Jar and all those people way back. Like, so they're like, Matt would be great to be the LA person for Grape Story. So I get on the phone with Matt Siegel who runs LA now for us and like an hour later, I hire all the people in his agency of Everyday Health and open up Vayner LA without talking to AJ, without talking to anybody, like just, I walked into a meeting with AJ like five hours later on a different subject and at the end I was like, oh yeah, we're opening an LA office. <laughs> you know, I mean, I promise, <laughs> you didn't know that story? No. I yeah. feel like you acquired the whole company, right? I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. What did AJ say? You know AJ, I mean, you guys know him a little more. Yeah. He was like upset. <laughs> like, like, he was like, okay, dick. Like, you know, like. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, it's really about people. Mickey and Eric Fullwire are why Chattanooga and London exist. London was an opportunity, um, you know, and whether it's Singapore or Mexico City or the places, or or Johannesburg, the things I'm debating are more opportunistic, more so than, it's never like, oh, there's great college talent here, or there's these things going on. It's never big data. It's more, I'm betting on my strengths. I intuitively feel it. I know what I'll do with it. I know why it will be successful. Let's move. If the Gary who started VaynerMedia eight years ago were to speak to you today, what would you say you're currently doing wrong? 
you've succumbed too much to the game. I would critique myself in some of the things I'm doing here, which are just checking the boxes and pandering to the marketplace versus breaking it. Because that's what always happens. No matter how much of a disruptor, no matter how much I'm breaking things, you get sucked into the vortex of the reality of what you're doing and you start becoming some version of it. So if I'm 60, 40, 70, 30 right now, I'm doing a great job, that Gary would have been like, no dude, 100. Like fuck that. But that's the pre-doing it thing. What would you do to take Twitter to the next level from like a platform standpoint? I would do a lot of things. I like what they're doing with, I would definitely become an OTT. So I think everybody should become an OTT. Don't forget, Twitter still has market share on home screen on phones at scale. Like to me, the two companies, Twitter and Spotify are super interesting because I think they're undervalued for what they have because of many different reasons. Spotify has an amazing amount of subscriptions and like is valuable and Twitter has enormous amounts of attention and is valuable. I would blow out the OTT make it more and more about original program. Because you gotta understand, Netflix isn't Netflix until Orange and News Black, until House of Cards. Twitter can do that, especially as we're getting closer to the phone being the remote control to your bigger screen in your home. So I would continue to do what they're doing there and I would, I would probably, I'd probably get aggressive of eliminating all frictions of content creation. So I would, I would eliminate the 140 character limit um, for sure. I think it was a great gateway for the product but is just irrelevant now. Like to, Twitter has to compete as a CMS and you have to give people the ability to make all sorts of content that they want to. And I think limitations are a negative. I think Instagram should eliminate the length of the video because I think a lot of people here would watch seven minute videos on Instagram and I think a lot of people aren't producing seven minute videos for Instagram, they're producing now. They obviously own Facebook where that ends up but I do believe a high percentage of those videos end up on YouTube that don't need to and that's a land grab that Instagram can make. I think, I think restrictions are amazing strategy for, for gathering users and then I think they become detrimental after a period of time and so I would definitely eliminate that and I would push harder to make it more visual and less written because I just think you have, I think, I think Twitter's fighting the market and I think you shouldn't. I think Jack's already done some little things that have been better, like just little things that don't seem big, like the heart instead of the star. These are nice little subtle things that they're uh, conforming. Um, I would also bet the farm on voice. I would become a very big sound place for podcasts and, and for uh, uh, skills if they can get there or just voice. Oh, go ahead. When someone like pitches you, how do you know whether you want to advise them more so than invest or advise it? I don't really invite, you mean advise and or invest? Yeah, yeah. So I don't advise at all because I can't make that trade proper. My time's too valuable and I don't expect anybody to, I can't expect anybody here who pitches me their business idea to give me 49% of their business for advisory but in reality, that'd be a good deal for you. But nobody thinks that. So how would you kind of know who to? I'm really not investing right now, like at all. because I'm just focused right now, but the, I've only invested one way successfully. I'm, now that I've learned myself as an investor, the only thing, when I did it well, what I normally gravitate to, I've deviated a bunch when I was an investor. Like the fund, the $25 million I spent with me and Ross, I did not do well, in my opinion. 
because I was an investor. I deviated from who I am. When I'm at my best, I do one move. Person, idea, I'm out. Person, idea. If both work, I'm in. If one doesn't work, I'm out. That's always when I've been my best. Person, idea. Who's running it? Do I like her? What's the idea? Do I like it? Birchbox, two seconds. I loved both of them. I liked the idea. You know, like whether that company wins or loses because they've overcapitalized themselves is different. It was right, mm-hmm. right? Venmo, one of the great losses of my career even though it was a win. I loved Cortina. I knew that we would pay each other through mobile devices. I bet. He wasn't able to navigate the business to what it should have been so we sold it and we made barely any money but I should have made tens of millions of dollars. So there, even when you're right, you're not always right. You know? Do you think it would ever make sense for you to sell equity in order to scale this business? I have. So we've sold 30% to Steve Ross. Okay. But it will never happen again. Uh, let me phrase, it could. What, uh, which one? Because I said, why, I said both opposite yeah, things. Why was, your, why, was your, why was your initial instinct that it would never happen again? Because I don't need it. Okay. And why give up equity? But the reason I backtracked is I'm enough of a personality, this is gonna be enough of a machine that somebody may give us $200 million on a $2 billion valuation when it's worth 500 million and that might just be smart, right? If you get overcapitalized, if you, you know. So the place where we need to grow faster and where capital would become handy is the reason there's a VaynerX sign there. The reason the sign changed while you were here was to remind me I'm the CEO and chairman of VaynerX, not just VaynerMedia, and the media side, the PureWow side and all the other sports and mail and all the other things I can build there, I could do some real fucking damage and especially if I had capital, if I go out and buy Sports Illustrated, Men's Health is for sale now, things like that. So there, there could be. But if I take money, it would only be to accelerate the gallery and the media side, not the agency anymore because that's on its way. That's what I, no, it's all on topic. My sister always asks me, my sister always asks me if I want to come back and work at Vayner. Yeah. But I go to school in Chicago. Yes. I'm wondering if you were ever going to think about. Chicago? Chicago? Up in Chicago, yeah. Um, it's crossed my mind. It's, it's, so the two places where we have clients that could justify an office are the Dallas area, because we're growing with Toyota and Frito-Lay and the Chicago area because PepsiCo and, and Kraft now and you know, Conagra has been a conversation. It's interesting though, I really don't have a lot of heart to open up another Vayner Media office in a major city. So I would open up Milwaukee. I would open up Des Moines. Like I, don't forget, I want to build this to buy brands and run it through them. I don't need any more big city DNA I need more small city DNA. So if we were to ever service Chicago, it would definitely come in a tier two city like Milwaukee or even a tier three city like Madison, Wisconsin or something, you know? Okay, I'll come back to New York. Okay. <laughs> um, how do you stay focused on your own path and success without comparing yourself to other people or not listening to anybody else's opinion? I don't know. Combination of being an immigrant and having a ridiculously big time mom because I don't. And it's like so real, I just, I, I really wish you could have it too. I just, yeah, I guess it's confidence. It's confidence, right? Like it's unbelievable to me how much I never, I didn't even remotely, 
like all the cliche things, like, like the things that come to mind is like the scenarios where I was able to not compromise, right? Like prettiest girl that I was ever hanging out with wanting me to do drugs and I didn't waver, right? Like I'm trying to think of like real life human stuff where like succumbing to peer pressure, right? Or ridiculous $5 million offer ironically from China on an MLM multi-level marketing to be the face of it, but because my ethics didn't believe in it, passed when five million would be like giving me a hundred million right now. So I'm trying, like, confidence, right? Like just not wavering, like just fundamentally not caring about what anybody else thinks or feeling that anybody else is impacting me besides myself. But I do think that has a lot to do with parenting and so I think that ship has sailed for all of you other than one move. I really believe the following watching D-Rock, even now having Eric in the room, thinking back to him, boy, do you get a lot about from the people that you spend time with. Like they're super different because of my impact on them. I'm just telling you that truth. I know it for fact. Vice versa. 100%. So I just really, 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 really recommend that if you, a lot of, you know, I've spent some time with you. A lot of you know yourselves pretty well actually, which is great. This is a great time to reorganize your friends graph. If you admire some people, like this is a good time. I literally befriended literally one of the biggest nerds in my high school. He runs Wine Library. It's just the truth. Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> you know, like but like literally 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 literally. Like and because I admired him at 14. It's just really a big deal. I'm in the process of fully starting a business with my older brother. Okay. Um, from your personal experience, like masterminding, like a dynamic duo with AJ, what advice would you give for how to approach that partnership? I think you need to have every hard conversation up front. So like, my answer is gonna be way deeper than tactical because you're vulnerable because you're brothers. You have to have like, you have to have weird conversations like who's more talented than who, What's the equity split? Like the stuff that you have no interest in talking about, you, you guys are so much better off not starting the business and having those conversations than vice versa. Because you will pay. Family businesses most often end up bad and it's because you weren't willing to have the hard conversation up front. And you've gotta have a flexible model. I think the only reason me and AJ survive in a good friendship is we made a commitment that we had no idea how it would work out, but we would work our asses off to adjusting to what it worked out. We didn't anticipate AJ leaving. Like, I would have bet the farm that I wouldn't be the one left standing running VaynerMedia. Like, that made no sense, right? Like, so, you can't anticipate those things. You have to have hard conversations, bro. Because both of you probably think opposite things. Like, you probably, right. Right, and especially about the part of who's better. And that's the hard one. Because that gets it to money. Because that's where it gets hard. It's also the older, younger. 100%. And I've done them both. I had a father, and then I had a younger brother. So I played on both sides of this argument. For me, the good thing and the bad thing was I was the better player. But they come with, you know, your gift is your curse. My family's also in the family business, but how, what advice do you have to like kind of, if you don't want to be involved in that, like how to... Break the news? Break the news. <laughs> Straight. Like Straight with no chaser. <laughs> <laughs> how, like how does your family like come first in most of your situations and how does it not? Yeah, so for, so for me, that's a great question. So it's funny, 
I think family first means that you've gotta be selfish first because then you have the ability to put family first. Like you've gotta make it macro. And at the macro, if you really don't wanna go into the business and there's expectations for you to go into business, there's nothing you can do if you go into the business, you'll start chipping away and losing, right? On the flip side, the idea of like, I'm coming for three years, but then I'm out. And then having the strength to be out, right? Because then you bring some value, then you also like, you know, as I've said to somebody else in this room, the learning is disproportionate. Because when you're a family member and you get elevated to a very high place right away, you have to deal with the baggage of other people judging you for that, but you can siphon so much learnings that no job is gonna teach you. None. Zero. And that could be massively valuable, right? So, and again, and I think anybody who's consuming my content, I wish you knew how young I felt. I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely feel like I'm your contemporary. Like, in my body right now, I just basically look at you guys and like, we're friends, right? <laughs> and like, if you really knew that truth, that is the, that's the one I'm hot on, I've been saying it a lot, I'm hot on this, because it's the real. Like, you guys feel like you're the same. I definitely do. I'm 41, twice your age. So like, when you know that truth, you can get real patient. And when you get real patient, you make totally different decisions. All of a sudden, the first three years out of school, when you put in the context I did, I put in the context of 15, 12, 15 years. And I was still young, and I was right. That changes everything. You will make fundamental different decisions if you believe that. And it's almost impossible to do. You're either an old soul and have wisdom that was brought into you or you hear something that makes you go down a rabbit hole that gets you there. That's the big one though. Um, what do I have? Uh, guy from South Africa, comedian, David Cow. Okay, and then? Like 10 minutes here and then Justine, we can do it later. Okay, go ahead. Uh, five more minutes. Uh, so we, in our state here, like, heard a bunch of stories about VaynerMedia, um, the progression, you know, from back in the day to now. Heard a lot of stories where we were like, oh wow, can't believe you were doing that, managing like Twitter accounts for Chase, that didn't make sense at the time, but wow, how that worked out. And then other things about like how VaynerX is becoming a vehicle to, put, uh, to like acquire companies and build them out. Uh, and I think this question piggybacks off of Sam's question really well about the advice you would give back to yourself. When do you um, go against the grain when it comes to a business decision, go against like industry standards? And when do you feel like you have to play into uh, what industry standards are to be successful? My natural is to go, you know, it's funny. The, and this is actually funny to the question. It was hard for me to answer what would Gary, the 2008 version or whatever. The answer is I'm not sure because I don't factor either into my decision making. I actually don't even know when I'm going against the grain. Because I have no context for the grain. I just navigate. So, you know, this goes back to confidence. I know what I'm trying to achieve, right? Which is, in the short term, make, I keep things outrageously basic. Client is paying us. They want something to happen. I'd like to make that happen to the best of our abilities for that price. That's what comes out of my mouth and my head every time. Whether that's against the grain or not is something I usually don't know. You know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. I sp the reason I was a DNF student is I don't study anything. My religion is the consumer. And then it always works out. You know? So, I don't think of it that thoughtfully. I really don't. Because I don't spend any time trying to understand the landscape. 
all I do is spend my time trying to reverse engineer consumers' attention and then develop capabilities to deliver on what I think they want. What's your five-year vision in terms of your world and I don't think about it that way at all. I think that it will be better. <laughs> Both. You know, I don't think of it that way at all. I never do. I, um, there's too much that's gonna change in five years. You know, I try to think of it more as if I continue, so the way I answer the five-year question or the 10-year question is if on a daily basis I'm doing the right decision-making, it always works out, right? Never in a million years that I think I would have Eric film me and do a wine show on February 21st, 2007. You know, that probably squeaked into my head that December when when Lazy Sunday, what was it, Lazy Sunday? Became viral and you know, we were following YouTube very early on and then one video got to a million views, Lazy Sunday. It was like an SNL, remember that? You guys are super young, you were like four, but (laughs) SNL had a skit that went, they put on YouTube, it went viral, and it got a million views, and then I was like, there's something going on here, and my first move was telling AJ to start a Jets, AJ was actually the first video blogger in our family. I made AJ start a Jets blog in college first, and then he, so we were part of a Jets bulletin board, and he, he got DM'd by the Jets fullback's wife telling him, that he was getting cut like three days early and he reported it on Jets TV at BU and it was true. And so now he has huge credibility, I guess, in, in the Jets circle and then I get a tip from the Jets that they're trading John Abraham, like their star player, which was also true but they told me he was going to, uh, to Denver. Uh, and he was but then they made a trade and three-way trade and went to Atlanta instead. But AJ on his vlog in his dorm room in BU says that John Abraham's gonna get traded to Denver. And then three hours later, on fucking ESPN, it says, Jets TV reporting John Abraham to Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember thinking, the world is about to change. And like, that was January after the season, February 21st, three weeks later, I started Wine Library TV. But literally seven weeks earlier, it didn't even cross my mind. We can watch through our videos, when do you think you rock three months? Somewhere a few minutes ago, I decided voice was the most important thing ever. <laughs> what? <laughs> Two or three months ago. I don't know, like before I knew of its existence, I was paying attention, but that's how fast I think things are. So to even think in five year terms, to me, you win the five year game by worrying about the five minute game. All right, last one. Let me get something new. Um, so you always talk about the importance of building an Yes. During times that you're forced to choose between putting like an employee first or honey. Like taking a business loss. Honey. honey. That's why it's not the empire of honey. If it was the empire of honey, the empire would come first. The reason it's the honey empire is if there's a choice between the people that work here and the money associated with that decision, I will always pick the people. Because in the long term, I'll make more money too. The end. It works on both fronts. The problem for me is I don't believe the company believes that. And I'm empathetic to that. Like, we have unbelievable cynicism towards business and things of that nature and so many people. Like, there's a lot of people that work here that have not spent this much time with me. A, a stunning, right, like, so, you know, and you've been here? Almost three years. Right, right. That's not true because you did sit in on last year's. But like, but it's, but, but it's stunning how little. It's stunning how little and so. But I'm okay with 
Yeah, I mean, you reverse engineer. You know, I'm not okay with it, which is why I'm gonna start forcing them to sit with me just to make sure I feel like a pulse of the thousand people. Um, because I think, I think the one way for me to fix the, VaynerMedia as a company is a company. There's reviews, there's this, all the vulnerabilities that I hate, it has it. I think it's better than the alternative, but it has it. I think me as a separate energy against the whole thing is where we get real special. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Right, because I think the market's a C, I think we're a B, and with me being an energy over here with the company, then we become an A. And, that, and so that's, but that's an easy, I mean, I've, that's back to like, that's what I do. That's why Alan, the CFO's mad all the time. Because <laughs> his job is to be like, you know, the defensive coordinator, right? He's the CFO, he cares about the money part. He only has to care about the money part and when I'm making decisions that break that, that's frustrating, right? Using football terms, if I'm throwing the ball on my one yard line and throwing an interception at the seven, like that sucks. Defense goes on the field pretty sad, you know? <laughs> so, but that's what I will do to the end. So, thanks guys. Thank thanks you. everyone. Good, man. Thanks man. Guys, thanks for listening to the audio experience. Two things, one, make sure you're watching my vlog on YouTube and two, hit me up on the DM. It's going down on the DM.